the Insights, the podcast of Forerunners of America. And we are here every time to warn the nation from a biblical perspective and to help you respond in faith. In that last part, respond in faith, we've got a great podcast today because we're talking about contending for the faith. And there's going to be all kinds of practical applications as we go. And I'm excited to have with us today, Laura Smith. Thank you for joining us, Laura. Hi, Dave. Well, on the last one uh, in the intro, I I said I just really appreciate your discernment and and acuity, just being able to uh, look at what's going on in the world and what's going on in the Bible and help us see from God's perspective what's going on. That's great. But I want to add one more thing today, and that is that, um, you know, you're a— uh, a get-it-done kind of person. You're practical, and we don't want to just be hearers of the Word. We want to be doers of the Word. And so um, I'm glad you're here, both for uh, your understanding of, of our nation and what's going on biblically, but as well as just wanting uh, to make a difference and be practical. So, uh, so again, I, I look forward to our time today. Me too. Thanks, Dave. So, okay, Jude... Uh, verse 3, it says this, Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. You know, okay, this is one verse, but it's just packed. Of course, I it highlights there, contend for the faith. He's urging us, okay? But right before that, he said, I was going to write to you about our uh, about us, the salvation that we share, is how uh, the, the Bible puts it. But he's going, I can't. It's as important as salvation is, I can't talk about it. I've got to talk to you about contending for the faith. we got stuff going on. And it's pretty amazing because um, really the rest— of uh, the book of Jude, uh, only, I think, 24 or 5 verses long. But the rest of his letter, it, uh, it highlights why we, we need to contend. And uh, that's what I'd like to, to get in here today. Um, you know, this idea of contending, we might not use it a lot in, in church today, but it really is throughout scriptures. We could think of many examples of people contending for righteousness. In other words, striving for righteousness, making a different in culture through living righteous lives and sacrificing. All of that is contending. But even Paul got to the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And Paul even said this, listen to this, this is contending language. I have fought the good fight, and I have run the race. I mean, this is contending language. I I finished the race. I mean, he he strove for something. He battled for something. He kept getting up when he was knocked down. He kept believing God. He was an awesome example of striving. Yeah, you know, it just goes to show those scriptures show that um, we're not called to a static Christian life. You know, you can't just say, well, I'm saved and I sit there and that's it. You know, there's a there's a contention for the faith that we all have to engage in. And um, probably never so more for, you know, for us in this country than now. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hoping that we can accomplish some things on this podcast and really uh, 
encourage each other, help people, um, because this, to me, it's the need of the hour in terms of contending. And God really uh, deeply put this on my heart, I want to say, almost exactly a year ago, actually. Uh, It was January of 2021. And uh, anyway, that that he's looking for contenders. He needs contenders. Contenders are throughout the Bible. I want to frame this, um, and I— I don't want to spend much time because in other podcasts I've talked about about this paradigm, but I want to highlight uh, the three areas that are really battlefronts. And it's interesting because you see this in um, many scriptures. I've I've counted over thirty scriptures that talk about this paradigm, but I'm only going to highlight one area or two. And that and that the first one here is in Jeremiah chapter one. It's the calling of Jeremiah. And uh, he's the prophet to the nations. And notice the three areas that God calls him to. Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 18, God says, Today I have made you, Jeremiah, a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land. Talk about contending language. I mean, God is saying, you are going to be strong, you are going to be protected, and by the way, the only reason you need to be a fortified city and a iron pillar is because you are going to be attacked. And so, anyway, even that carries a contending idea, but but God says this to him, and he's calling Jeremiah to this, this ministry of a prophet, and he says, and you need to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah. That's the government realm right there. It goes on to say, its officials, that's also the government realm. So the first area we need to contend for the faith, just like Jeremiah did, and God called Jeremiah to do, is the government realm. The second, it says, and... It's priests, so you need to stand against the priests. The, the, that is the um, ancient version of our modern-day church. And so Jeremiah actually has to stand against it, even though he himself is going to be a, a prophet, and then also stand against the people of the land, or in other words, the ha- inhabitants, the general population. So these are the three areas that God calls Jeremiah into. These are the three uh, battlefronts. These are the three areas where we need to contend for the faith, not just Jeremiah in his day, but throughout Scripture, throughout um, uh, Christian history. This is where the battle is fought. So it's the government, the people, the church. These are our three areas, and, and today we want to get practical on all three of those areas. Now, before we go any further, I do want to mention that even though the government's first, that's not the most important area. Uh, it's important, for sure, um, and we see that throughout Scripture, but actually it's the church area, contending for the faith within the church, where if that's we got that part right, it, the church will be an influence to the broader population, the people, and then, of course, the church will also be an influence on the government and the conscience of the nation and all these kinds of things. So those are our three areas that we want to engage in, and we want to talk today about practically responding in faith. In other words, how do you contend in those three areas? Now, just to go a little bit beyond uh, Jeremiah's calling, I want to uh, read a passage from Jeremiah 34 just to help us understand again how these three areas are vital. Now, before I read this, let me remind um, 
everyone that these three areas, uh, when they come into agreement, the government, the people, the church, into agreement with more so with God's purposes, His will, His ways, we're looking at knocking on the door of revival, seeing God really move on our behalf, bless us, protect us from enemies, prosperous, all of that kind of thing. But when these three converge and they're against God's will and ways, and they have gone wayward, and they have disregarded God, disobeyed him, not listened to his voice, and these three, the government, the people, and the church, uh, go the other way and rebel, then uh, judgment is knocking on the door of that nation. So that other passage I wanted to highlight here from, from Jeremiah 34 is verses 18 through 20. And it says this, God is speaking through Jeremiah, those who have violated my covenant and have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they made before me, I will treat like the calf they cut in two and then walked between the two halves or the two pieces. And that's what you did in that culture to make a covenant, to say that if I don't keep up my side of the covenant, the bargain, the promises here, if I don't keep up, then split me in two, just like this calf was cut in two. And you walked in between that to make this this very like somber, serious commitment. It goes on to say in verse 19, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem. Again, there's your government. The court officials, the, there's your government still, but also then it goes on to say, the priests, there's your church realm, and all the people of the land, there's the people, or again, the general population, who walk between the pieces of the calf, I will deliver into the hands of their enemies and want to kill them. Their dead bodies will become food for the birds and the wild animals. So these three areas did converge, all of them, to rebel against God's will and ways. And God did promise to bring devastating judgment to them. And again, as we highlighted in our last podcast, Laura, this is covenant language. God actually judged his own covenant people. So just because you're in covenant with God as a nation doesn't mean that uh, you're off the hook. In fact, you're more responsible, as we talked about last time, uh, related to your um, uh, your actions, your be your choices. You're you're not less responsible. You're more responsible. Yeah, and um, Dave, the same is true today. Uh, let me read a timeless principle from Jeremiah 18, uh, beginning in verse seven, going to verse 10. At one moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot to pull down or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it. Or at another moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. Yeah, very interesting. It gives a timeless principle there, and also that it just says a nation or a kingdom. We often think so much of the Old Testament, especially, is uh, focused on the nation of Israel, and it is. But here, God is promising this for any nation or for any kingdom. And, it, you know, that last part there, when we get in trouble, is when we are not obeying his voice. And I think when we look at America right now, are we as a nation obeying his voice when we look at those three realms, uh, the government, the people, the church? 
well, we have got to contend for the faith as believers like never before. We need to rise up in faith. This isn't a time to step back and cower in fear or to be hopeless. This is a time to contend for the faith. And I want to say this too, Laura, that if, um, if, if America is not, does not improve, if, if we don't see the great turnaround, um, and that God does not bless our land, at least we were contending, at least we were doing the right thing, at least we were standing up for righteousness and standing against wickedness when God came. And that's how I want to be found. I want to be found faithful. Yeah, we got to show up. We've, we've really got to, you know, get involved and we've got to really um, care enough to get in there and, and do our utmost to make a difference in those three realms. Um, so, I think it's it's good for us tonight to look at the the things that we can do to make a difference because a lot of times it's so easy to just feel like it's too far gone, can't do anything. Um, where would we begin? You know, what what could I do? So, okay, I'm glad we're talking about this. Yeah. So really, the rest of this podcast is very practical. What do you practically do? How do you respond in faith in these three areas: the government, the people, the church. So we're going to start with the government, but like I just said a moment ago, this is not the most important of the three, but we're going to start start there uh, with, the, with the government. And I think there's some a couple of obvious areas, but I also want to get into some areas that maybe we are not so obvious, but they're really our Christian duty, really our Christian obligation um, as being salt and light and to, be, to make a difference. So the... Um, you know, the first area I think of that's obvious is just simply be people of prayer. Now, in other podcasts, we've talked about fasting with prayer. I'm not going on uh, deep on that today, but vital, vital in light of where America is at today. And know that, you know, because we're taking that time to pray, that the Holy Spirit can come in and start to make a difference and open doors of opportunity for us to really get involved and get engaged, but it, but it has to come from a place of prayer. Amen. And I believe it makes a difference in the harvest, meaning people coming to faith in Christ. I think it also makes a difference in righteousness going forward. We don't want evil to win. And we've seen so much evil proliferate in America here in the last several decades. And we want to, uh, you know, want to pray this through. And it says in first, uh, Timothy chapter 2, it says, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. And get this, Laura, it specifically says, for kings and all who are in authority. There's your government realm right there. So, okay, prayer, obvious. Okay, people are saying, tell me something new. Okay, but we want to emphasize this because sometimes people want us to tell them something new, but we're not doing what we should be doing. (laughs) There might be something new in it for some of us because it doesn't say just pray for the rulers and the leaders that we like. Ooh, there you go. (laughs) Amen. So let's pray for people on the left and the right, and maybe even a libertarian or two. So, okay. So that's for secondly, uh, I think it's obvious that we need to vote. Like if God is actually weighing nations in the balance and the three key areas are the government, the people, the church, and our actual leaders will either help, help lead us in as one third of that paradigm and either help lead us into revival, blessing, God's protection and favor, or they'll lead us into wickedness and devastation. How in the world could we not vote? I mean, We've got to vote. And, and 
I, I want to vote in people of faith, you know, true Christians, etc. But, you know, I don't think it's just about that. Like, there are people that literally have more, more of a moral compass, and they're not saved, but they have more common sense, or they just are more reasonable than other people. And I want to make sure people without common sense, are not voted in, or nefarious people, or wicked people, or liars, or corrupt politicians. We don't want that. We, wanna, we want to uphold righteousness. So even voting, even though we're not spending a lot of time on it, I believe this is one way we can respond in faith. We could probably have a long conversation on a longer conversation just on voting, because how many, I mean, I certainly know many Christians who feel that, well, what difference does it make? I'm not going to vote. Or they'll find some little thing they, you know, they don't like about a candidate. And so that's enough of a reason for them not to bother voting. And so they don't feel like they need, need to be engaged in the process. And, um, and so I think it's, it seems pretty obvious that we should vote, but, but do we? And, you know, you think about like the elections, the recent elections, that if more Christians had shown up, not even a lot more Christians, but, you know, uh, major elections have have turned on the um, the Christian vote, and uh, you know, and if you if we're not showing up, then we're just we're not doing our. I don't I don't believe that we're fulfilling our responsibility, you know, as as citizens of the country that we're living in, and uh, you know, and really honoring God. Before you go on, I just want to interject quick. Um, our founding fathers did not want a monarchy or a dictatorship like they had under the King of England. So they, they literally spilled their blood for freedom. And what they wanted to do in this great experiment is have a representative government. So, okay, it, why would we not vote? The whole point of voting is so that they will represent us. And, right. you know, it just seems to me to be uh, a, a bit upside down that we wouldn't care enough to, to investigate the candidates and, and decide then to actually take a little bit of time, show up at the poll and vote. Well, and even before that, if you don't like the candidates, because sometimes people will say, well, I can't vote for that person because of X, Y, Z. You know, I think we have to vote for the best one. You know, we have a responsibility and a privilege um, to pray for those that are in office, to show up and vote, but even to put up candidates that we we like to run. You know, if we were really involved in the process and we were at, in our local communities sponsoring candidates and supporting candidates that, that were, um, you know, aligned with what we think is important in our views, that would be great. You know, uh, and then, you know, and I think too that, that voting, um, you know, it is 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 really like even even like the kind of perception like we're tied to a particular party or something. I think we really have an obligation to just show up, vote, know the candidates, get engaged, get candidates out there that we would like to see run if we don't like the choices. But if we don't like the choices because we haven't done any of that work to put candidates out there that we like, we still have to vote for the best one, you know, the best of the choices that are there and, and be involved with the process um, because we're not going to like it if we don't, you know, we don't like it now. And, and we've abdicated our responsibility to kind of look the other way and now look at where we're at. So um, Christians should run for public office. Christians should be involved locally and get on the school board and, you know, um, and participate in the elections and, and just, you know, not be apart from all of that like we have been. Mm -hmm. And if I can just put a footnote on that, another way to be involved slightly different 
is to make sure that we're sending emails to those that do represent us, you know, in our county, if it's your state government or with the House of Representatives or, or it's your senator or it's a U.S. senator from your state or whatever. But we need to hold our uh, representatives, we need to hold them accountable, In meaning we need to, to make sure that they're hearing what the people are saying and not just doing what... Uh, certain people are pushing or manipulating or pressuring them to do. They need to be true to us, the people. Okay, now adding to this, here's something that's maybe not as obvious, but it's certainly been in the news a lot over the last little over a year, and that is that we need to be involved in helping have election integrity. Uh, Everybody's vote should count, and when you have uh, uh, voter fraud of some kind or, or just ballots that are not um, from actually real, real people or dead people or whatever. It actually minimizes all of our ballots. It's, it should be one vote for each person. And we need to understand this that, you know, in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 10, it says this, differing weights and differing measures, the Lord detests them both. And if there is voter fraud, the Lord sees that, and he detests it, and actually is seeing this as not something that Christians should should be involved with. I would actually suggest that the Lord looks down on this kind of stuff, and he hates it, and it's actually another reason why he would judge our nation. I mean, fundamentally, I believe that this is spiritual. I believe it's a a spiritual battle between good and evil. Um, I'm not saying my candidate has to get in, but I am saying there cannot be cheating on the way to this candidate getting in, whoever it is. And the same idea is also a little bit later in Proverbs 20, it's said again slightly different. It says, the Lord detests differing weight, weights and dishonest scales. Do not please him. And in and and a dishonest election, it's a form of dishonest scales. And, uh, you know, some of this imagery comes from the marketplace. As, a, as somebody's selling goods, you don't you know, you're not to receive more money than what you're actually selling uh, for the price of that, those goods. But nevertheless, look at how important these scales are we're talking about right now in terms of who is going to be the leader of our nation. Yeah, so, you know, the best way to, to um, make to ensure the process is, is honest and fair is to be part of the process. So, you know, I mean, I've been, uh, you know, like uh, working at the polls for over 20 years. And I, you know, it's, it's uh, a bit of a hassle for me to take the day off from my regular job and, and, you know, be there, but I moderate at the polls and I, and, or wherever else I need to be, but, but I'm actively there. And when you have people from, you know, both major parties, you don't even have to be in a party, but, you know, they want to have a mix of, of people there. So there's a good representation of all sides. And, and that way, everybody's working side by side to ensure the process is fair. And that's what keeps the, the, process, the, the elections right and honest, and, and it works really well. So I can tell you that in my community, it's been great to see people working together and, and doing the right things. But, you know, there are some cities where it's really under one, um, 
it's under you know one party and you don't have people from uh, another side there to balance it out and that's where things can kind of happen i mean there's a variety of things that can go wrong but it, it it's minimized when we're showing up you know it's there's less opportunity for things to to not go so well if we're engaging in the process so go down and and volunteer and vote and and vote and and, and volunteer and and you know, drive people to the polls and and just do what you can to 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 actually see yourself how it's working and and be part of it. I think that's the best thing we can do. So for you, how difficult is the process to become a volunteer at your local polling station? Not hard at all. So you just express an interest. So you would talk to the registrar voters in your community for whatever party you're with, and they would, you know, get you um, involved. You can be a ballot tender. You can be a person who's checking in voters when they come in. You can be, you know, somebody who's running the polling place. And it's really kind of neat because there's both, you know, parties are, are equally represented. It's going to take work, but the point is, is honesty worth it? Having honest scales, is it worth it? And I think obviously it is. I, you know, if, if the system can be manipulated, we know that it will be because when you're talking about what's at stake, you're talking about power, you're talking about influence. If it can be manipulated, it will be manipulated. And that's where, uh, especially as Christians, but even honest people that are not Christians, we need honest people involved in, in all of this. And so, um, so I, I guess another thing is to uh, become a, a, a trained worker at your state tabulation center. Like I know there was a big brouhaha in 2020 um, in Detroit, Wayne County, where uh, the state of Michigan has its final tabulation center for the whole state. And I have a friend who was a worker there. And, you know, it's interesting because you hear somebody out there or on the Internet saying there were shenanigans. But I have a friend of mine who was there and saw the shenanigans firsthand and how we need to people to be involved at, at, at that level at that level as well. And and again, it's not a left versus right thing. It's a good versus evil thing. And Correct. and we need to see good good prevail in terms of having these honest uh, elections. Is there anything else in terms of being involved in the process that you want to highlight? I, I would just say, get out there, get involved. Simple phone call to your town hall and you can just get going. And they're always looking for workers because a lot of times the people that, that work at the polls are really older and um, not, to, not to say that's a bad thing, but they're, they're you know, often looking for, for people that are uh, younger, have the energy to last from five o'clock in the morning until, you know, nine o'clock at night or whatever. And so it's, it's a good thing to get out there and just do it. It's not hard. There's a variety of different things that you can be doing. You don't have to be, it doesn't have to be a very complicated thing, but, um, you know, even just like there's there's a person who's assigned to hand out the I voted today sticker. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, after you're done voting, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's that's a nice thing to do. And you you watch the process work. And it's just that important that we we make sure that in these communities where there have been questions that we get out there and we start, you know, being involved in the process because you're supposed to be there's supposed to be a balance you know, left, right, Republican, Democrat, you know, there's supposed to be equal representation at the polling sites. It's not supposed to be just one party. So that's why if, if we're not showing up, 
and it and things that are going off the rails because one side's doing all the counting and we're suspicious of that well whose fault is it right i mean mm -hmm. like it's it's incumbent upon us to get out there and be part of the process and it, it can be fun too so mm -hmm. that's a good word and you know just kind of summarizing contending for the faith in this government realm uh prayer and we're talking serious prayer in light of where our nation is at we're talking about voting a representative government that means you should be represented by your vote. Uh, we're talking about keeping our elected officials accountable, uh, contacting them, and then, of course, everything to do with uh, election integrity um, in the voting process. So but one so, more thing, Dave, I would I would also remind, you know, toss out there, too, that why not why not run for office? You know, um, why not be an elected official? So I would I would add that to the list that you just went through. That that there's nothing wrong with us voting, uh, you know, for like running for office, and um, and um, being a candidate. I think that's a good thing to do too. You know, we have a a medical doctor that uh, we know here locally, and she is running for office for the first time ever this coming uh, fall here. Uh, you know, in November of 2022. And uh, anyway, uh, she's just looked at like the government response to COVID and some things obviously have been politicized and she does know the science and the data as well as all kinds of other issues. She wants to bring honesty, clarity to help bring solutions. And yes, whoever feels that sense of like, wow, I can bring um, honesty righteousness, clarity, combat evil and lies, please run for office. Well, let's shift to how can Christians contend in the people realm? In other words, the inhabitants of the land, like Christians, uh, we can contend for the faith in that realm. So now we're shifting from government, just saying our neighbors, our co-workers, people we live with, people in my neighborhood, city, uh, state, whatever— but contending for the faith there. And uh, do you want us to get, get us started, Laura? Well, you know, I think that, you know, it, uh, just like politics, it begins with prayer, you know? So, so here we've really got to pray and ask God for opportunities. And really um, when we pray and we find little openings where we can talk to people, um, you know, it's tough because the culture has shifted so radically. And you look at like the things that the kids are learning in school. I mean, you know, I, you know, they're not growing up with a with a, a Christian worldview even remotely. So, you know, there's a big learning curve there. But nonetheless, there's a lot of loss and there's a lot of you know, emptiness. And especially with COVID, I think people are feeling very isolated. Um, even though we've opened up a bit and we're out doing some more things, there's still that, that feeling of disconnection and people are ripe to hear that there's a God who loves them and there's a savior who can, you know, like heal the, their hearts and, and their broken hearts and their disillusionment and disappointment. And, and, you know, so we have such, the fields are ripe. You know, we've got a, we've got a wide open opportunity if we'll avail ourselves of it. So, I mean, seeing people come to faith is foundational. I just want to share this that because uh, it's kind of related to everything that's been going on here uh, with COVID and other things. But um, I was actually um, in a disagreement with somebody that I know pretty well about the vaccine. 
and uh, and he had one position, and I had my position. And there was another guy standing there named Billy, and Billy took my side, which was fine, whatever. But the thing was is that when I walked away, I made sure that I went and found Billy. And uh, he's in his 40s or so. And um, anyway, I said, Billy, um, you know what? At the end of the day, regardless uh, if the vaccine is safe and effective or not, everyone dies and I made sure that I used the previous conversation that was quite honestly not going anywhere. Uh, we weren't convincing each other about the vaccine, but I could specifically use that then to talk to Billy, who I knew was not a believer. And I, 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 I've talked with him a little bit before, but anyway, I use that to say, Billy, um, uh, we all die. And, it, you know, this, this vaccine thing, it, it's not the root issue. It's about do we know Christ? And, you know, Billy and I got in quite a conversation, and he says, I have got to talk um, to my girlfriend about this. And, yeah, and he he's in process. So, anyway, just kind of going back to the, the people and realm in general, I remember I had to pick something up at this one store, and there was a younger guy there. And, you know, I just didn't—because he worked there, I didn't have time to, like, jump into the whole gospel. But I could just tell he was afraid. And it's like, I want to influence him with the truth. I'm going to say he was roughly 20 to 24 years old, somewhere in there. And he's healthy. He's trim. And it's like he thought that if he got a COVID diagnosis, that it's a death sentence. And he was living in such fear and I said to him, do you know, for people in your age group, you know, and you don't have comorbidities, meaning pre-existing health conditions, you know, you're fine and you're apparently pretty fit. I, I said, you're, you're, uh, the general population, the, the, the recovery rate after you get COVID is 99.7%. In your, in your case, it's probably something like 99.99999. You know, I mean, I was like, and he didn't even, he didn't even know about the 99.7%. And I'm like, yeah, that's what the CDC says and all the data shows. And it's, you know, and he's like, really, he goes, he just looked at me bewildered, like, you mean, you mean that I would, might be okay if I got COVID? I'm like, yeah. So anyway, I'm just saying, there's, of course, the gospel truth is the most important, but sometimes people just need somebody, and I love it when it says as Christians, just put your arm around him, so to speak, and give him an encouraging word based on truth, even if we haven't quite gotten to the gospel truth yet. Yeah, so true. Yeah, that's very, very true. You know, I think that as Christians, we have a wonderful opportunity in this time where, where so many people are being bombarded by all kinds of things that are disturbing them in this this season that we're in, there's so many things to be fearful and anxious about. We as Christians have such a great opportunity with people to really share, um, share the Lord, you know, like tell people about Jesus, you know, because, you know, there's no psychiatrist or, um, or pill or anything that people are going to take to just really um, eradicate these, these, you know, um, these have the heaviness of the things that they're dealing with. Only the Lord can do it. And what, how great, you know, um, it is for us to be able to, to bring that truth to people and see them set free from all these things that they're, they're so weighed down by. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot more that we could talk about related to contending for the people, but let's shift to our last area, the most important area by far, 
and that is contending for the church. How do we contend for the church? And I, I just want to set the table here by reminding us of Jude, Jude 3, but this time I want to read it uh, with Jude 4 um, because it becomes clear that, that Jude, writing his letter here, that he's saying we have to contend for the church. And, and so anyway, let me read this uh, again. Verse 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. In verse 4, for certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. So, Laura, what are these uh, people, these secret agents, what are they doing? It says, they are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. Sovereign meaning the king of kings, the, the, the ultimate judge. And so they're denying him, and they've made uh, grace into license. I don't know, but I think there's a word here for the church, you know. Uh, today, in, in America, we do need to contend for the faith. I would say contend for our churches, the church uh, that each of us attend locally. We need to contend for that church because there's so many things that are trying to uh, sneak in and to undermine the, the true word of God, the gospel, and to to really undermine us in, in some very de deceptive ways. I would put critical race theory in that. It sounds like, good, we're going to help with racism. But in the end, it's a Marxist ideology. I mean, there's so many things like this. Contending for the church right now, um, I believe, has got to be uh, one of our highest priorities. And in fact, our topic today, it would be the highest priority in this topic. Well, I would say, Dave, that, that everything that you've been doing with Forerunners is really you know, um, part of that effort to contend for the church and bring awareness to these issues that, you know, are challenging our faith and corrupting the church. But we have to be Bereans and, re and know the word ourselves and really understand that, you know, these messages we have to discern are the messages that we're hearing really, you know, accurate. And do they really line up with the word? And if they don't, then, you know, we need to stand up for what is true. You know, in a nice way, in a polite way, but we need to, you know, assert truth. And when you said, you know, what's coming from the pulpit, we often think of our local churches, but I want to include pulpit. All these people out there on YouTube and other social media venues, uh, there's craziness out there. I, I just saw a, a thing, it was actually from Europe, but, you know, you could read about it here, is that, was Jesus a transgender? I mean, it's just craziness stuff out there, but but more of what you were getting, it wasn't that crazy stuff. It's more deceptive stuff, like we talked about in the last podcast. You know, you I, I don't know if all of our listeners heard that one, but what you were just referring to is we've got this group of people, and again, false teachers uh, or false prophets, I don't know, maybe at least misguided for sure, but some of them, I think, are truly, like it says here, are ungodly people uh, spreading... Uh, spreading lies, and a lot of times those lies comes in, come in half truths, or you know they're more subtle, they're deceptive. But th this whole business of of this revival's coming, the next great awakening, but there's hardly a mention of repentance or um, 
or that difficulty is here now. And when you have revival, that doesn't mean that in your nation you don't have difficulty. You might have greater difficulty because when there's revival in a nation, the kingdom of darkness rises up. Jonathan Edwards talked about this or wrote about this in the 1700s in our nation, and he was part of the first Great Awakening, uh, a leader in that. And he was saying, look, when God moves, the enemy backlashes, and uh, there's all kinds of things that happen, but we don't talk about this. It's just like, uh, but God has, at least to some of these people— and this is, uh, again, uh, uh, just a brief summary of what I shared in the last podcast, but they just declare it. They just declare America's in covenant with God. Uh, I'm not sure they prove that point, but okay, let's grant them that, that okay, America's in covenant with God. Uh, and therefore, the revival's on the way. And end of discussion. Happy days are here again. Yeah, you know, it's that's it. And But that's, you know, so that's why, you know, if you have an opportunity to do a Bible study, it, you know, if you have an opportunity to start a prayer group, you know, th- these are things that we can do as believers to expose the word, you know, what the word really says to people, because, you know, a lot of times churches don't even have Bible studies anymore. Well, maybe there'd be one in your church if you if you volu- stepped up and volunteered, you know, like there could be things that we can actually do as believers individually that will help actually you know, in part, what the word of God is actually saying. And it's an opportunity to really show people that, well, that's, that's not actually in the word of God, you know, Mm -hmm. take a look at what the scripture is saying. Um, It's just really important that we do whatever, but I think that the prayer for the church is key, you know, and that, that believers have to really be back on their knees before the Lord, contending for the church that way. You know, that it, at, the, at the root of all of these things that we're talking about, they're all spiritual battles. So if we're not mounting a good prayer defense, all the other things are great and important, but not as important as prayer, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think part of contending for the faith uh, as well is to contend for greater faith. And let me just ask this question. Um, so in your life or the people that you worship with or at your church, is your faith greater? Like you believe God for more, you see God answer prayer, or you see a, 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 a miracle uh, more often than you used to, or, or, or an answer prayer, or something like that. But the point is, is your faith greater now than it was a year ago or five years ago? Like if we're not contending for the faith actually actually faith i'm concerned that we live in almost like this this wet blanket spiritually has been thrown out uh, across america let me put it this way because i heard somebody else put it this way it's like a matrix of unbelief well if we're in the church and we're part of this matrix of unbelief it's not going to go well we have got to uh, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing the wor- word of God, uh, the written word of God, hearing God speak to us and guide us and lead us in the Holy Spirit, all of that realm. We need to move in these areas, and our faith must grow. We must believe God more now than what we did 10 years ago. And so I, I believe that's a-, a big part of this contending for the faith as well. I agree with you completely. And I think that, you know, the Christian walk isn't static. You know, you don't say a salvation prayer and then you're done. And I do think that um, it's important that, that, that if, you know, the warnings that we, we've talked about and the things that we're seeing come to pass as we believe they will, 
it's, it's going to be even more important that we have an accurate understanding of the word of God and we really have a faith that can't be shaken. You know, that mm -hmm. that's where the Lord is calling us to be in a place where we're, our roots go down so deep that no matter what is shaken around us, it doesn't, it doesn't rock our boat spiritually and that we even draw closer to the Lord. But um, those who have been listening to a deceptive word, a word that is, um, you know, super appealing about, you know, your ever increasing wealth and status and happiness in, in this realm, they're going to fall away and they're going to need the support of the people of the Christians that really do have, you know, are on the rock. So we have to be on the rock. That's really the only way that we're going to survive. And that's the only way that we can, we can contend for the faith from that place of strength. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Vital, vital stuff. And, you know, I think, uh, um, there's so many things taught within the church, but contending for the faith is different than just teaching or hearing teaching. The, the teaching is good, but how many times have we been taught on prayer, but we it really never moved the needle in terms of having some sort of regular uh, group prayer time, or even in our own lives, a further uh, time with God and, and going into deeper prayer? Or how many times have we heard teaching on sharing our faith, but it never really moved the needle? Or or uh, maybe we've been challenged before to get involved in uh, in the political process, the election process, to to represent Christ in that arena. But but we just never did it. I mean, almost everything we've talked about in this podcast is that element. Like, will we do it? There's so much practical stuff here. It's overwhelming. None of us could do all of what we talked about today on this podcast. But we all have to be dialed in and be doing something and doing various things and uh, try to be at least somewhat engaged in all three realms. And so um, I think, uh, Laura, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks again for everything that you contributed today again. So uh, blessings on you and all that you're doing. Um, but again, let's remember, everyone, that we need to contend for the faith in the realm of the church, of the realm of the people of the land, uh, the inhabitants of the land. And we need to contend for the faith within the realm of government. These are the three areas that are outlined where the battle rages and the enemy knows exactly what's at stake. And the enemy um, is certainly vying in those three areas. Will we step up and, uh, and believe God and, and, uh, and defeat evil, defeat wickedness, and bring forth righteousness in our day. It's absolutely, absolutely critical.